0: Welcome to the podcast where we answer the question, that's healthy? This is your host, Hope Brandt. Social media has really done a doozy on our perception of health and wellness, and I want to help set the record straight. Quick fixes and fad diets, unachievable beauty standards, extreme fitness challenges that leave you more broken than when you started. I'll pass. Taking ownership of your choices, treating your body and mind with respect. Filling your life with things and people that lift you up instead of tear you down. Yeah, that's healthy. And that's exactly what you'll find here. Let's start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of That's Healthy. This is your host, Hope Brandt, and I have someone that I'm so excited to talk to today. I have a fellow registered dietitian, Tony Castillo. From South Florida. He was just telling me he was at the beach this weekend and elicited a huge <laughs> jealousy response from me. So, Tony, welcome to the show. What a great intro, Hope. Yeah. And, and for those of
1: you curious, Hope is recording this live from her closet and she's doing a great, magnificent job. Let's just say that. I love it. Uh, she's doing this for you guys. So, whoever's listening, I want you to imagine she's sacrificing her time her her comfort to give you the best information out there.
0: Yes. Well, and getting the best guests too. Don't forget that. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on and I'm really excited to kind of dive into the subject matter of this episode. We were kind of just chit-chatting beforehand and talking about, you know, we're both registered dietitians and our expertise is in nutrition, but Being able to implement that knowledge is just as important as having the knowledge, especially when we're working with clients and making it applicable for the general population. And so mindset and your habits and different things like that are absolutely crucial to being able to implement the solid information. So that's kind of the direction that the show is going to go in today. We're going to talk about more mindset things if any of y'all have followed me for a while, you know that I'm huge on talking about ditching the all or nothing mindset. And so that's something Tony and I have in common. And I can't wait to get his ideas about how to identify that in your life and how to overcome it. So let's just kind of start there, Tony, give me your thoughts on how you see that all or nothing mindset kind of come up the most in nutrition or like how you've seen it kind of reveal its ugly head with your your client experience? And what are your best tips for identifying it and overcoming it?
1: Absolutely. So when we talk about hope, as always, thanks again. But when we're talking about this all or nothing mindset, I just go back to where I started when I was younger. When I was 13 years old, I was made fun of by what my body looked like. And that's something we'll touch on later in the podcast. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I remember having this all or nothing mindset just around on how I looked and how I had to eat. When I was finishing up my high school career, whatever that means, it's, it, I was told I had to follow a bodybuilding meal plan and a bodybuilding lifting plan. And I did it, Hope. It was great. I felt great about my body for the first time, but then I went to college and I did the exact opposite. And I drank all the beer, ate all the tacos, all the pizza, and I broke up with that all or nothing mindset. Well, I, I did the nothing side where yeah. it was just like, I'm going to break all the rules and just do whatever I want. Yes. And then I'd go that Monday through Friday, that all in, all in mentality, Monday morning, wake up. Uh, I'd have pre-workout workout, have my protein shake. Then I'd have coffee as long as possible to have lunch, which would just be salad and a piece of chicken, no dressing, because obviously we can't have any dressing. Cause that's, what's going to make you gain. Obviously. Away, away. Yes. Obviously. the Dressing
0: is going to make or break you.
1: <laughs> that's it. And then dinner would just be veggies and chicken. Uh, I was in a fraternity in college. So all my frat friends were just hammering back beers and pizza and wings. And I was like, I can't do that. I need to be strict. And then I would eat that way all the way until Friday afternoon. Then Friday afternoon, then all hell broke loose, as they say. Then I would join in with them, (laughs) eat all those foods. And then I would figure out like, why am I not seeing progress? So then I thought, well, maybe I need to do two workouts a day. So I started doing two workouts a day, trying to figure that out. And it wasn't working, Hope. And then I was like, all right, well, I hear at the gym about if it fits your macros, maybe I should do macros. Still didn't know really what that meant. Then uh-huh. I was trying different kinds of protein powders. I even got to try, I don't know if you ever heard of this product called Ballerina Skinny Tea. My girlfriend, yeah. who's now my wife at the time, was taking it, and it said for women's weight loss. And I was like, why does this only work for women? So I was taking it behind her back because I didn't want you <laughs> to know I was taking it. Um, oh it was just a laxative. That was literally it. Hope I was trying everything. I'm like, all right, I got to follow all the food rules. Got to take all the supplements. I was taking hydroxy cut at the time. Um, oh my gosh, I tried yeah. fasting. I tried the South Beach Diet, Atkins. Monday through Friday, but then the weekend it'd be nothing. None of those things would work and, because then it's like cheat days, right? You have to have cheat yep. days, you have to have cheat meals, all these things that diet culture sneaks in to tell us. And eventually I broke my foot dancing on a Halloween night. I just dressed up and was just hitting the ground, pumping, and I broke my foot. And I was like, what's going on? Because it was that all or nothing mindset where I was just severely calorically deprived. I was eating, yeah. if I was lucky, like 1,500 calories a day. I had disordered eating meaning I would literally track the time and go from my room upstairs downstairs to the kitchen and back so I can add an extra calorie in my fitness pal. I had a really bad relationship oh with goodness. food. And it was that all or nothing yeah. mindset where was like, I had to do it all the way. And then when clean eating was a thing, oh, I got to eat clean, bro. Um, it was just really- Oh, trying to, I then-
0: resonate with that for sure. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> oh, and then trying to treat, teach my frat friend because they saw me going to weight loss, but then they saw me gain the weight back and like, oh, you got to eat clean. That's what it was. I didn't understand what that even meant truly. Yeah. Right. So
0: uh, honestly, it's a moving target. Even now,
1: (laughs) all the time, it's like, it's uh, six ingredients or less or three ingredients or less or wait, which one is it? Um, no, no, you can have some things that are processed, but not all things processed.
0: Right. Right. It can be processed as long as it's labeled paleo and then yeah. you're totally fine. <laughs> Doesn't matter how processed it is. If it has a keto or a paleo or a vegan or you know, whatever label you're on good. it, then two thumbs good. up. That's it. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it was going through that, then trying all these things. I, I thought I was doing all the things or nothing. Right. I, and yes. I would let that just lead me into binges right? Because then it would be like, all right, it's Friday afternoon. I just want to hit happy hour with my friends. Forget it. I'm going to blow it. I'm going to eat and drink whatever I want. And then it'd be Saturday morning. I'd wake up and I'd do a disservice to my body. I'd make myself pay. I'd go run, do two hours on a treadmill or on an elliptical machine just to burn off what I did. And then I'd go tailgate all day. And I wouldn't eat anything because I'm like, well, I got to save calories for the alcohol. And it didn't lead to a good relationship.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I can what you're saying with feeling like you're doing all the things and not seeing the progress that you want to see. I feel like so many people can identify with that. And that's something that I hear all the time is that I've tried everything, I've tried every diet. I am putting so much effort into what I'm doing. And yet there must be something wrong with me, or I must be broken because I'm doing all of these things and it's not working. And it's not. You, that, right, it's like, it's not your body, your thing, that's the problem. It's what you're doing that's not efficient in moving you towards reaching your goals. But it feels like you're putting in so much effort in all these different areas. So what was like that light bulb moment that you had where you figured out, okay, this is not working for me? How did you figure out something that that would work?
1: I mean, I remember right when I broke my foot on that Halloween night, I woke up the next morning, I took a step and I was like, ow, my foot hurts. And I thought to myself, the first thing that came to my mind, Hope, was how am I going to work out? And that's the last thing I should have been thinking about, right? It was that disordered that I had to keep working out because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to gain all the weight back. What's going to happen? Like I started going down the spiral. Yeah. So eventually I didn't know what to do, Hope. So I took a year off. I had just finished my degree in biology and chemistry. So I took a year off and I sat for my first nutrition class. I got my master's in nutrition and I was like, I know what they're going to tell me. They're going to tell me to cut out carbs, run away from sugar, high dose of protein. Like that's the only way to do it. And when I learned, they're like, no, you should actually eat carbs. I'm like, this is, there's no way this is true. Like it just <laughs> blew my mind that this is what they're educated. like, this is all a lie. What do you mean? What are all these things that I've been told? And it was really diving into it head first and being open about it. So I finished my degrees. And even then I was still skeptical. I was like, there's no way this is true then going to work in the hospital. And then eventually when I worked at the university of Florida with athletes. And I saw those athletes that performed the way they did Mm -hmm. and looked the way they did. They ate, man, there was a swimmer who was eating Froyo every night. And I'm like, Froyo, how can he eat Froyo every night? What's he doing? And he was performing at the top of his game. And I saw that I was neglecting my body so long that I wasn't fueling it for what I wanted it to be. I was in such this mindset, like the only way to get abs and to look like the way I wanted to was Mm -hmm. by restricting and by using some sort of supplement to help, which are the exact opposite things you should have been doing for what I was trying to reach. So that was like that first step, seeing these athletes who some of them did have disordered eating or eating disorders, right? Mm -hmm. But the ones that were successful were the ones that saw food as their fuel source, right? They did have enjoyment with food. I'm not saying they didn't enjoy fro-yo. Everyone loves (laughs) (laughs) fro-yo.
0: I do. I know. Who does it. Who doesn't?
1: (laughs) So it's seeing how that helped me shift. And then working with those elite athletes when I worked in Major League Baseball, it was like they saw food on how they can continue to play and play for the long term, at least those that wanted to be successful. So it almost hit me in the face like, these people are being successful. They're eating all these foods that I thought I couldn't eat, but they're learning how to utilize it. So it was that like aha moment, like, dude, you can do this too right you don't need to be perfect because they weren't perfect they mm-hmm. did the best with what they had and they weren't overtraining they were training for their sport so i i reframed it and that's what we do with a lot of our clients i'm sure you do it too hope it's like what are you trying to achieve right yes. you want to lose the weight but why what's that what why who who cares if you have abs or not mm-hmm. right like what is that personal target so for me it was just seeing how these these athletes i was working with were able to do it without having to do fasting without having to restrict 1500 calories a day without having to cut out carbs without having to do so many things that we're told you need to do count macros right like i i would get obsessed with it because i thought that was the only way to do it but they were doing it enjoying it and performing at their best it was that aha moment working with these high-level athletes that showed me like huh this can actually work for me yes and it was amazing to see
0: Well, and I love the point that you made where you were getting very clear with what your actual goal was and then being able to backtrack from that point and think, okay, if this is my goal, then how do my actions need to change to produce that result? And I also loved when you were talking about going through some higher education and then working with athletes and having an open mind to being able to really absorb that experience and not just stay stuck in the mindset that you had based on the faulty information that you had been soaking in. You were able to change and evolve and grow your perspective based on like real life experience that pointed in a different direction. And I think that is so absolutely crucial for being able to, start reframing your mindset around your nutrition or your exercise or what you're doing in your approach to reach your goals. So I love both of those things in your approach. When you're talking about reframing, what what do you mean by that and and how do you specifically implement that reframing um like with your clients, do you have any specific examples?
1: Yeah, and just even taking it back a moment, I remember when I was working at Florida I'd go in the locker rooms, obviously the guys' locker rooms, and I'd go look in there like, "Oh man, what is in there? Is, what supplements are they taking? Are they taking steroids?" Like I was looking for it. Like I knew I was yeah. like there's no way they're doing this with just <laughs> nutrition and exercise. It's yeah. not sleep, it's not stress management. There's something else they're not telling me. Like I remember searching and looking and being like, "Where is it?" convinced there was like a
0: secret that something. you had, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's the what I mean by reframing is something I do with my clients is going to their why, right? We talked about it just a little bit ago. It's like, like, why do you want this? So first, we figure Mm -hmm. out the why. And a couple of things I have my clients do is I write a a one-year letter and how they want to talk to themselves. So why is that one-year letter important? Not because I'm working them for a year. It's because I want them to really talk to themselves that way. And some of them are like, I've broken up with dieting. I can finally eat cake and not feel regret. I can have that glass of wine and not feel like I'm taking 10 steps back and have to finish the bottle of wine. So
0: this is them talking about where they would want to be in a year,
1: like talking
0: to themselves as in like narrating their life a year from now and what they're experiencing. Oh, that's great. Okay.
1: And what they've accomplished. What have they done in the past year? You know what? I worked with Tony. I was able to fix my relationship with food. So that when we have that conversation on the call where the scale might not have moved, I bring that letter up, Hope. And I'm like, where right here does it say that the, the scale moved? Everything Uh you put on here was that you wanted to feel better, you want to perform better, and you want to look better. The scale moving may be part of that, but that's not what you put on here. Let's go back to your why. You wanted to feel better because you were tired all the time. You wanted to feel better because you were getting home grumpy, hungry, and binge eating at night because you were restricting all day. You Mm -hmm. wanted to be able to go out with your friends and enjoy Taco Tuesday, right? So where, and I think it's going back to one thing you highlighted is like, do your behaviors match your goals? So we have to ask that. So that's how we reframe it with the clients as well. Like you say you want to do all these things, you want to look this way, but are the behaviors you're doing matching that goal or not? And if not, what do we need to get there? Or do we need to change your goal so they match that? So sometimes it's almost like a wake up lesson because sometimes it even happened to me in my life. It's like, oh, I want to have this perfect body, right? I'm going to be a dietitian in private practice. And I see so many influencers out there with abs and they're selling their programs like left and right. And I was scared to put myself out there, Hope. Because I saw so many of these people who do nothing about nutrition show up. And just because they had abs, people would listen. I'm like, are people going to listen to me? Yes. So I almost went down that same path of restriction where I was like, no, 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 no. Dude, remember what you learned, right? Working with these high-level people, it's not what they look like. It's what they know and how they're able to apply it. So that reframe I'm talking about is having that letter, having that why, being able to reflect on it, and then asking yourself, do my behaviors match these goals?
0: Yes. Right. I will. And I love that so much. And I love the focus on how you want to feel in your life, not how you want to look necessarily. And I think that's so important. I was thinking about that just this morning because this was like our first warm, sunny day. And it made me think of summertime. And that always makes me think of when I was very... Very green and new in my nutrition journey. And that's kind of this was the time of year where I thought to myself, you know what? I'm like, I'm tired of feeling insecure and unhappy in a bathing suit in the summertime. And you know what? I don't even care how I look this summer. I just want to feel confident to go out and be in the sun and lay by the pool and be in a bathing suit because I I love to do that. And I was tired of having that experience being tainted by the insecurity of how I felt in my body. And so from that point forward, <laughs> and I am like, I used to very much identify with the all or nothing type mindset. And it's really interesting how you can Identified and learn and grow from that point. But I mean, from the second that I decided, like, I'm tired of being insecure in my body, it was like a light bulb went off and my behavior started to shift to make me feel the way I wanted to feel. Not necessarily with any type of weight loss goal in mind at all, or like even with changing my body. I just wanted to feel good in my body, even if it didn't change at all. But I knew that what I was doing. Wasn't helping me achieve that goal. Laying around, you know, only eating for pleasure or to like numb my emotions, none of those things were actually making me feel good. So when I shifted that behavior to start doing things that I knew were healthy for me, that's when I started feeling better. But then ironically, that's also when my body started changing without me even focusing on that. So I love being able to put the focus on how you want to feel in your body, and then the action that you take to produce that emotion. Because the action always, always has to come first. And I think that gets really confusing for people because they're looking for that spark of motivation. (laughs) And a lot of times it's the reverse. You have to start acting before you get that motivation, before you get the payoff of feeling the way you want to feel.
1: I think so many people go into this, in that all or nothing mindset, which is like intensity versus consistency. They're yeah. really about being with that high intensity, like they can do it, they can do it, but they can't do it consistently. And that's where they burn out. That's where that all in nothing mindset gets almost, it's the inner critic on the megaphone. I heard that recently. And I'm like, that's really it. Like, that's how it gets pushed when you're really high intensity, but you're not consistent with it. Yes. And that's one thing I'm sure you work on with your clients well. Like, how can we get consistent with these habits versus just being really intense at Going back to my story, doing two workouts a day and following fifteen hundred calories, like I was able to do that Monday through Friday. But then the weekend came and I blew everything out the water. So it was like, is this really sustainable? Is this really what I right. want? And, right. And I think that's you know trying to identify those triggers, right? So we're trying to break that all or nothing mindset. Is you know we want some actionable tips for people listening. Mm-hmm. Identify that trigger, right? And and how are you going to handle it? So I had one client that would wake up in the middle of the actually no let let me go back. This client I'm thinking about. He used to love KFC, but he he couldn't eat it because he knew he'd have to eat everything that was there. He'd have to order like four meals. And I'm like, listen, man, what I want you to do is I want you to go to KFC and order one meal. He's like, what? Why are you telling me that? Like, you're a dietitian. You should be telling me to go to KFC. And I'm like, dude, it is okay to go to KFC if that's what you really love. I'm not here to judge you what you like or what you don't like, go. And he had one meal there and he sent me a picture of it. He's like, this is the first time I feel at peace with eating KFC and not being judged. So identifying that trigger, right? And it took a while to figure it out. It wasn't like the first session. I was like, oh, all of a sudden, no, yeah. oh, it's KFC. Yeah. <laughs> he'd be like, oh, you know, I'm binge eating. I'm like, okay, well, what's your breakfast look like? I'm skipping breakfast. I'm like, oh, let's work on breakfast. But it really wasn't that he wasn't eating breakfast. It was that, that KFC was that trigger for him. He yeah. knew when he'd go, it was just going back to that emotional side of him. And I even had a client, I, I asked, this is a completely different client, it was about to hit the holidays and she was all about eating holiday cookies. She's like, I just have to if I make cookies. I eat the whole tray. I'm like, tell me more about that. What's going on? Yeah. That all or nothing mentality. And it took a couple of sessions, but hope when we got to it, I found out when she was growing up, she had a fridge in her basement and it was locked all year. And her mom would make holiday cookies. So when she would hang out in the basement, her dad would come down, open the fridge, the lock on the fridge, eat the cookies and no one else could eat them. So the dad was sneaking away from the mom to eat the cookies and no one else could eat them. And it triggered in her head that that's the only way she could eat holiday cookies.
0: That's how you eat cookies. Yeah. That's how it was the modeled. Only yeah. Way. <gasps>
1: and if we didn't wow. bring that up, she would have never. Cause I kept asking like, wh- like, what is it? What's going on? Tell me more about the holiday cookies. You know, what is it? Like, where, where do we see that issue? Like what's going on? And it was yeah. these, these things that we don't know that just pop up. Right. So it's that repetitiveness. Right. And as much as you and I would love to work with someone for one hour and solve their problems, that's not how it's going to happen. It takes time. So that all or nothing mindset, it happens by week, by day. But in order to break up with it, it takes months of learning, months of understanding and months of personalization and sustainability. And that's where our clients need to put in that work. So to reframe it for someone listening to this, Mm -hmm. find that trigger and what can you replace it with or what can you make at peace with? And I think it's so tough to do because we just look at it. We don't know how to make peace with it. So one thing I had my clients do, so KFC go one, the holiday cookie was like, I want you to make a holiday cookie and just have it as part of your lunch or have it as part of your dinner. Just
0: incorporate it. Yeah. Be
1: okay with it. Right. And I love when you do the PEC protein energy color, like those things, like how can we include a cookie in there? Like what, what do you mean? It can go in that.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. can (laughs)
0: like,
1: it's, it's totally part of that. And People are so mind blown where I've even had them like, hey, you can have the plate that you're looking for and you can add a brownie. What? Huh? I'm like, you can have ice cream with dinner. What? What do you mean? Yes. It's identifying that trigger. Go ahead. Yeah, please.
0: Yes. Well, uh, and that viewing nutrition as all or nothing, where if you have one thing on your plate that's less nutritious, you've now negated the entire benefit of that meal. And that is so, so, so not true. Right. I Love the example of like when I was very clean eating. You know, I thought if I had like salad dressing or something that that would ruin the meal because it just would taint all of the vegetables that I was eating or whatever. And that's not true. You're still getting all of the benefits of eating mm. your carrots even if they're dipped in ranch dressing. Like just yeah. because you have something that may be less nutritious with another nutritious item you still get all of those nutrients together. One does not negate the other. And so I think that's a really important distinction to like consciously make because so much of what we learn and what we embrace about nutrition are things that we have just picked up unconsciously over the years, even from childhood, like you were talking about with, I'm sure both of these clients with your KFC example and your cookie example, those are things that are buried. And unless you are making that effort to really dig deep and not just look at it on the surface level, but really ask, okay, why am I doing this? And where does this behavior come from? And a lot of times it's literally not about the food at all. It's about an underlying emotion or an underlying need that you're not addressing, which psychology and counseling and nutrition are so intertwined in that way which i think is absolutely fascinating but <laughs> like i i had a client say when we were starting to like build awareness around her eating habits and what was going on it was like this is a pandora's box that i did not even know i was opening until i started building awareness around my eating habits and asking why am i doing this and So many times it's not something that you've consciously chosen. It's not a choice you've made for yourself. It's just something that you've seen modeled or it's a coping mechanism that you're just bringing with you.
1: Yep. And even my own personal journey, um, I grew up with my mom and my mom would say no bread in the house, but she would keep bread in her room and like eat a whole loaf. Even up to until this day, she still doesn't, she, she thinks bread is the reason for where she's at. Right. I wake up, I have bread. I had English muffin this morning. I had Dave's killer bread yesterday. Like I eat bread all the time and it doesn't, I had a baguette. Like it doesn't have to be like the, the healthy quote unquote healthy food. Right. right? But to her, it's like bread is that trigger for her. And it's to so many of us. And even as you said, summer's coming up and old mindsets creeped into my head. And I was like, all right, so I'm going to go to the beach this weekend. Should, Should I cut out all carbs and just eat chicken and veg? I'm like, dude, Tony, what are you doing? Yeah. That's that's like the stupidest thing you could do. <laughs> like for a photo op that's gonna last two seconds, you're gonna feel super crabby. You have a two and a half year old, your wife's pregnant with number two. Do you really want to show up crabby for the rest of the week? No, mm-hmm. I want to be the best person for my family. I knew if I did that low crash for just a week, it's not gonna help me. Yeah. So I was able to pull myself out of it because I've seen myself in it. And just like with my clients, I make a note of things for them to do. So for example, let's say you, you fall into the all nothing mindset or things work with the clients. I'm like, all right. I want you to think of three things you can do when you fall into this mindset. Some people is grab a coffee, go for a walk around the lake and write one thing I'm grateful for. Like that's just a super easy thing for them to do. And sometimes they may catch themselves afterwards, whether it's after a binge or after they, they made this awareness, but they're able to stop and make the change and they write it down. And what I actually have them do is I make them also have a chart when this happens. And I say hungry at the top, yes or no. If they say yes, what do they eat? How do they make them feel? On the other side of the chart, if it's not they're not hungry, put no, wasn't hungry, and this is what I decided to do. And we yeah. talk about, is this a sustainable mechanism for you or not? And if they ever have to check in, they can do this at home whenever, right? They can put in their notes page. They can get a piece of paper folded in half. And I have them put it where they he- have these triggers. So for some people, it's on the fridge. I had one client put it in a cabinet they opened up because that's where they that's where they were instantly triggered when they opened the cabinet up. And I'm like, well, make sure you have a pen nearby because if not, you're going to forget to do it. Yeah. <laughs> But it's some of these things that we think about that are so simple for us to kind of stop and think about before we go into that behavior to really think, all right, am I doing the right things for what I'm trying to match my goals, right? And I can still have, or I have Oreos in my house right now. And there's so many people, the gym I go to, the head trainer's like, oh, there's no way I can have Oreos in my house. I'll eat a whole sleeve, right? And it's like-
0: Well, I hear that. I mean, all the time, I think that's so common for people to believe. And yeah, even very educated, very fit, very- People you would look at and be like, oh, they're so healthy. And then, yeah, they say, <laughs> they, like, I could never keep that in my house. Or, yeah, I could never eat just three Oreos or whatever it is. Like, yeah, the all or nothing mindset creeps in everywhere. Even, well, and I love how you were giving a super recent example of how it continues to come back up. And it's not that you ever fully can like dissipate those thoughts. They're never going to go away and you can't really even control when they pop up, but you can identify it. You can recognize it and then choose to behave differently. And that's the key. Like that's the shift. It's not that you never struggle with those thoughts anymore. It's that you recognize them and then choose to do something different. And I love that you gave that example because I think so many people assume that they're the only one that struggles with it. And even people who are far along in their journey or who are dietitians, or who have so much nutrition knowledge don't struggle. And we still do.
1: <laughs> we all do. We all struggle in our own way. And I, yeah. I just thought about this the other day. I've been in my health and wellness journey, all this for about 20 years now. It's an, mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think about and how the inner critic inside doesn't come out as often, but it still comes out when I least expect it. And it's about take a deep breath, Is this really where you want to be at? How is it going to make me feel? Right? We were just talking about that, right? Like, what are we going to do about it? And that's where I think many people fail because they're like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to go back to it because I felt great doing it. It's like, did you really feel great? Right? You told me you retired all the time. You told me you were always thinking about food. And our goal is for you to stop thinking so much about food and enjoy the food and enjoy where you're at. And I promise you, your body composition, if that's what you want to change, will come along once you make peace with what you're doing.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, and going back to something that, and I'm I'm putting this in quotes, that has previously worked, mm-hmm. but then you lose the results from that. That thing didn't actually work then, did it? And in order to truly, yeah, make peace with your diet, your possible triggers, all of these things, you have to do something different. And that inherently is going to take practice. It's going to feel like a struggle. It's going to feel really hard. And it's going to take time to get to the point where you feel like you've mastered that thing. And so it feels easier to just go back to Weight Watchers or counting macros or whatever it was that you thought got you those results, but then those results actually weren't maintainable. (laughs) And it's, it's really, really hard to commit to changing your patterns and your habits. But I think that with resilience, and this is something I talk to my clients about all the time, knowing that you're going to make mistakes and committing to recovering from those and knowing that mistakes are inevitable, but not allowing that to be an excuse to give up. You're still committed. Even when you make a mistake, Okay, you think, how quickly can I bounce back from this? What's the next right thing that I can do for myself? That's going to come from a place of caring and not shame, not negative self-talk. And those skills are hard to build when you've never consciously concentrated on building them before.
1: And that leads into like how else you can break that all or nothing mindset, which is finding support. Yes. Where do you find support at? Who can you work with that can help you get there? I mean, I've, I've seen so many people who reach out to friends, family members. Are they the right people, right? I mean, if I were to tell you right now, if I reach out to my mom to help me, that'd be the wrong person because you told me to cut out bread. You know what I'm saying? Like, are yes. you reaching out to the people that are giving you the right advice for you? And I feel like so many times we follow these people on Instagram and we look at them when they're showing what when they're at their best and we're comparing it to when we're at our worst, which yes. is the exact opposite of what we're, we should be doing right like they're they're showing their abs when they're on their best day and you're over <laughs> here like oh my god it's because they did x diet it's like that's not why that's really not why they're not happy they're miserable
0: mm-hmm. right i mean very well could be and that's the thing is you don't know and that's the whole environment of nutrition and health and wellness advice on social media specifically can be so extremely detrimental because You really like, you truly don't know what's going on with someone. I was just one of my clients the other day. She said that she was truly wanting to be more plant based and she just didn't feel good when she started cutting out meat and dairy products and inevitably lowering her protein intake. But everyone else she saw doing it was so happy and felt so good. And she wished that she could just be like that. And I said, Well, you don't actually know that they feel healthy or that they feel good. You don't know what their life is like. You only see it on social media. And they could be consciously choosing to feel worse and to just live with the consequences of eating whatever style diet it is just to say that they are or just to, you know, make themselves feel better for being plant-based or you know whatever it is. Like there might be a sacrifice that they're making. And they're just not showing that side of it. They and don't want to. Yeah, because they don't want to because they want you to buy what they're selling or do what they're doing or purchase their services, whatever it is. And so uh, I think remembering that <laughs> you really do only get one side of the story from anybody else's story. You only get what they want to show you. And sometimes it's not an accurate depiction of of what's going on. <laughs> Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And going more into like that all or nothing mindset, like focusing on progress and not perfection. How many times have we heard that? How many times have we preached that and like celebrating those small successes? So even that going back to that letter, I have my clients write that one year letter. We go back to it so often. And we just say, let's just review this real quick. What you're saying and what you're doing this week, did it match this? Yes or no? Right. You wrote this. I didn't write it. I'm yep. not here to, to make what you think is perfect. I'm here to support you in what you chose and you said you wanted to be at in a year, not me. So are we looking at it? Like, look at the progress. How are you feeling? Well, I did better at the gym. I did, you know, I hit a personal record on the row. Great, right? And what you said is you wanted to be fast and you wanted to hit PRs on the on the row, right? So you're doing what you're saying.
0: Exactly. So just
1: look at that, right? So I think it's really like putting out a list of goals. What are you trying to do? Celebrating those small wins. And looking at consistency, not intensity.
0: Yes. No, I absolutely love that and so completely agree. Another kind of self-sabotaging tactic that I I recognize a lot is negative self-talk. And I think that probably comes up a lot when we're talking about body image and or body dysmorphia as well, which is something that I know is a part of your personal journey. So if you would just kind of take me with you in what that journey looked like for you and kind of the the highs and lows and, and what tools you were able to implement to improve your relationship yeah. with your body and your body image.
1: I mean, my body image issues and my own dysmorphia journey started when I was 13 years old. I went to go see a urologist. It was a female urologist. I went with my mom when I was 13 years old. They... Drop my pants in front of my mom and a female urologist. I was never been more scared in my life. And I was Mm. like, what am I doing? I'm 13 years old. I'd probably just hit puberty. It was super embarrassing. And they just wanted to make sure that everything was normal. And guess what? Everything was normal. Hope, I got blood work. Everything was normal. But I had gynecomastia, man boobs. And I was being made fun of that. So I knew right then and there, like, I was being put in an awkward place. And I was told by this doctor I had two options, Hope. It was either testosterone replacement therapy or plastic surgery. And I said to myself, there is no way that at 13 years old, these are the only options I have. Luckily, I did neither of those. My mom did not support either of those options. So that's when that negative self-talk started coming in because I had Mm -hmm. other guy, I don't say friends, I'm going to call them acquaintances because if they were friends, they would not make fun of me for this, but they make fun of the way I looked. And I was overweight. I was about 250 pounds. I was an offensive football lineman, like one of the big guys up front. Okay. And I didn't like the way I looked, right? So even when I lost the weight, I still didn't feel like I was who I wanted to because I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel like I deserved it. Were you
0: able to drop some weight or when did your body change?
1: At the end of high school is when it dropped. But then in in college, I gained it all back. And I was like, oh my God, how did I get back here? What did I do? And I was talking to myself, even though at that time, my friends didn't care what I looked like. They were just happy I was hanging out with them and being present with them. But they'd always poke fun at me like, why do you have your meal prep meal here? we're having wings, dude, come on. And I'm like, no, 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 I got to have my meal prep meal. It's it's clean, dude. Yeah. It's grilled chicken <laughs> and microwave vegetables. That's all I can eat. Like, don't tempt me. They're like, all right, man, as long as you're here and being with us. So it came back because I started to feel confident, went to college, but then I gained it all back and I had this negative self-talk. And I, I said to myself, nope, that... I, I got to do more.
0: Yeah, so what did what did those thoughts sound like to you? Do you remember, uh-huh. I, I know it, it's hard to like go back to that. And I remember, you know, I have not dealt with something I think as drastic as yeah. especially your initial experience. But, you know, I just remember thinking how, like, I would think to myself, like, if I met myself, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't be proud of who that person is. I wouldn't want to be friends with that person if I met them. um, You know, I wasn't living up to my potential and I was a letdown to everyone who knew me. Those were the thoughts that I remember having when I was in a very low place as far as self-esteem. But I mean, that plays into your, your body image as well, because I did not respect myself or my body at all. And I think I just avoided even, you know, Looking at it, I remember crying in the dressing room every time I had to go shopping, things like that. So what, and if you don't mind sharing. No, no,
1: I'm going to share. Absolutely. Yeah. When I was in college, I had this stupid umbrella hat. It was literally one of those hats that has an umbrella on top. And I remember (laughs) because I bought it for spring break. And of course, I was at a higher weight than I wanted to be at. I didn't feel confident in my body. I went to the beach with some friends. And I remember I would be the first one in the water. And the first one out, so they wouldn't look at my body. And I remember one time, I remember I used to wear a shirt in the pool at a pool party. But going back to this beach incident, I remember I had a umbrella hat and I had a towel over my body because I didn't want people to look at me. And I used that umbrella hat to detract them from looking at my body and try to have them look at this big pointy thing on my head so they wouldn't look at my body. Yeah. And I was just so ashamed. I'm like, I put in all these hours and working at the gym. I eat the stupid bland meal where I could only put hot sauce on to just come out here and be fat. I used to say that mm-hmm. to myself internally. I was so upset at myself and it's just like I had to detract from it, right? And then I would use food. I would use alcohol to cope with those, those things that I had inside of me where I didn't feel like I was worth it. And just going back to the yes. with my mom with the bread and said, I'm like, I can't even eat. I remember I had in in college, I had this big jar of cheese puffs in my room because I don't want to eat in front of other people. So I was embarrassed to eat in front of other people. I I just talked really bad about myself. I put myself in depression because I wasn't happy with where I'm at. And and what I thought would fix it was working out more. I thought by eating cleaner would make me happier. Mm -hmm. And all these things that I was saying to myself, which is just, you're not worth it. You you aren't putting in the right work. You're not being consistent. Like All these things I would just, beat myself up about where yeah. I would abuse my body by just some days not eating and just having so much coffee that it acted as a laxative for lack of better words. And I'd step on yeah. the scale and I'd be so happy because it went down, but then I'd eat something and go back up. And even on my fitness pal, when it say, if you ate this way for the next seven weeks, you'd be at this goal weight. And when I I'd do that, I feel that joy of like, yes, it's going to happen. But then I'd hit that seven weeks and it didn't hit it. I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like you need to stop being a fat POS and, and clean it up, Tony. Like, what are you doing? right? Like, and it was just getting stricter and stricter. And I was getting more unhappy with myself versus happy. I was losing all these moments with my friends to be at a goal weight. And I, and I was just talking to myself so poorly Yeah, that my friends would be like, dude, what's, what's up? And I'm like, nothing, nothing. I would hide it from them because I don't want them to see that I was suffering.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that is one of those, Very clear identifying markers of being in kind of a disordered place when you are losing those moments with your family or your friends. And food can no longer be about anything but the calories or the ingredients or whatever that thing is that you're fixated on. And I mean, did other people start to notice? Did your friends ever say anything that you couldn't just say, like, oh, no, I'm fine? Or, were you just too good all the time
1: no no no. it'd always be like hey man we're gonna go down the street to go catch a burger you want to come with us no no i'm good i'll I'll stay home like i would avoid those things yeah right and when i'd come home i'd avoid seeing people because i didn't want to be with them or like hey let's go to the beach i'm not really feeling it today when i really wanted to go to the beach but i was scared because people were going to look at me Right or go. Let's go yeah. to the pool. I, I, you said it earlier. I'm in South Florida. I wanted to be outside all the time, but I was just so scared by the way I looked that I didn't want to go to those events. I didn't want to show myself because I was just worried what other people were going to say. Versus like, dude, you're putting the work. You're happy. If I felt good at the time, which I didn't, then I right. feel better. And I think the things that really helped pull me out of that pit was just positive self talk, looking at myself, and working on that consistency routine yeah. versus that intensity routine. Right. So Make how are creative. you?
0: How are you able to? do that? How are you able to identify those negative thoughts and then to kind of capture those and say, okay, this is not me. Like I see this thought, this is not me. What do I want to replace it with? Like, how did, how did that happen? How were you able to do that?
1: I have this list on my phone of things that I'm grateful for. So what I do when I start going into these, li- these, these mindsets of like, oh, things are the world's ending. For lack of better words, yeah, I go to that list and I look at. It, I'm like, man, I have a lot of great things in my life. So I think it was just looking at things I'm grateful for. Like, I'm grateful for my wife. I, like now, like I've added things to the list. Like, I'm grateful yeah. for my daughter. I'm grateful for my dad who who's really been supportive of me in my journey. You know, grateful for friends that supported me and still love me for who I am and what I look like. Right. So yeah. I think having that list definitely helped me personally, and it's something I have my clients do as well. when We start to see these things that they say like, oh, people don't want to be around me. It's like, who said that to you? Who has yeah. mentioned that to you? Like, why do you have these thoughts in your head? No one has said that to you. So you're the only person thinking it. And we're our worst critics. I can tell you that a thousand percent of the time. So what's helped me is that gratitude list for sure. Um, and honestly, mental work. I have a therapist. I work with a mm-hmm. therapist and it's really helped because I'm able to flush these ideas out. And he's even asked me like, who said this about you? No one. So let's just kind of put that to the side.
0: Yes, and just because you just have the thought. Coming. Doesn't mean that it's true, doesn't mean that it's real, doesn't mean that that's what anybody actually thinks about you. And I think it's hard to differentiate yourself as a person from your thoughts because I feel like we're told you are your thoughts. And I think that that can be true to an extent when you're choosing what you're thinking about, but you're not those random like detrimental thoughts that come up that tell you like you're worthless or you don't deserve it or any of these things. Like those are coming from a place that does not have to be what you choose to accept and move forward with. But that can be really, really hard to take yourself out of thinking that those things are true.
1: And having a support system, right? Like knowing your environment and who's going to help support you versus detract you. So my wife has been key in that. She's really helped me. Like when I'm un- going feeling down about myself, she's like, "Tony, relax. Take a deep breath." Right. Sometimes you're just taking a deep breath. I personally like to meditate as well. So meditation has helped me as well. So there's mm-hmm. so many tools people can do to relieve that stress to really help them. Right. And I, yeah. I personally love exercising, but I, again, it's knowing when it's too much. We're using it as a coping mechanism versus yes. what you're actually trying to do. So I think some people try to find that fine line as well, which can also be difficult. But I think all those things add up. As long as you personalize it to you.
0: Yes. Well, and I love the distinction between, yeah, using movement or even, you know, prioritizing more nutrition in your diet, all of these things. They can be tools that you use, but when they become the thing that you lean on when you're feeling bad about yourself, that's when we're kind of getting into problem territory and that can be in either direction right it can be in the super like i am feeling like shit and now i have to be way super strict about everything i do or it can be i'm feeling like shit and now i'm gonna go off the rails and uh, go order four meals at kfc and slug on my couch all weekend. Like it can be either direction. And so when we start heading (laughs) to either of those extremes, it's really important to be able to recognize that and know that, okay, none of these things are being used for the good that they could be being used for it once we cross over.
1: And just forgiving yourself. I think we're just so tough on ourselves that sometimes it's okay to just take a deep breath and be like, this is okay. Life's going to go on and just be forgiving, be be compassionate because sometimes we're just so tough on ourselves that we're not giving ourselves the time to process everything we're going
0: through. Yes. Yeah. So back to kind of the part of your journey where you were talking about body dysmorphia, could you just give a little bit of like what that feels like and how to recognize that and just kind of what it is?
1: You walk by a mirror, you look at yourself and you're like, that's not me you don't feel like you're in your body, then you start having these mechanisms or you start using these things to cope with them, which is calorie restriction or calorie adding. Like there's guys that want to look super big. So they start to just shovel food and they they make it okay to binge eat because they just don't feel like they are who they are. Like they look in the mirror and they're like, that's not me. You feel different and you start taking yourself out. Like the events I was telling you about, like I wouldn't go to the beach because I didn't want people to look at me. And there's people I've worked with. They're like, I don't go to do any water events with my kids because I don't want people to look at me. And that's where we start to see like, Hey, you have some disordered eating patterns. And even when I was talking about tracking every step I was taking and yeah. I would count every goldfish I would eat because I was making sure I was in my calorie range or counting out triscuits. Like, is that healthy and sustainable? No, yeah. right? Like it's, it's almost taking a step back. Like, are the things you're doing something you're going to do in five years and 10 years and 20 years? And if the answer is no, then you really need to take a step back and change what you're doing. So the body dysmorphia was just not feeling at home in your body. Okay. Right. So that's yeah. really. That's really what it is. And what I did to work on it was just really seeing some of these these people that I looked up to, these athletes, these high performers, and seeing that they were able to do all these things and not feel outside of their body. They felt at home in their body, and they were able to eat the foods they love, and they were able to look in the mirror and feel confident. And this wasn't every day, right? No one is perfect. So I'm able to look in the mirror today and feel confident. But tomorrow I might have a low day and that's okay. Yeah. That is normal. You're not going to feel great every day. But what's important is that you put in that work, whatever that looks like for you, and being okay, looking in the mirror, knowing that you're progressing. Because again, we're going to be the last people to see progress, but people around us may comment or may not comment. But you just need to be that number one supporter and cheerleader for yourself or find an environment that will help support that. But really, that body is morph is just not feeling at home in your body. Yeah. and trying to and trying to find mechanisms or things for you to do so that you can feel at home in your body.
0: Mhm. Mhm. So what specific things was it something physical like I know I've seen meditations before where they kind of walk you through like feeling every part of your body did did you do things like that to help you feel more in sync with yourself or like gentle movement or less body checking? What was it? Or a mixture of things that helped kind of bring you to feel more at home in your body. Yeah.
1: It was honestly less body checking for sure. Yeah. Two was less tracking and more fueling. So I was like, how is this food making me feel? Right? Like how do you pizza? Taking
0: it off of the data really. And just thinking, okay, how am I literally physically feeling in my body? Not like how I feel emotionally about my body, but like, how does my body physically feel right now? I love that. OK, and
1: not feeling like I need to go to the gym every day because there was a point in time where I was going to the gym every day and I was yeah. doing myself a disservice. And even if I was tired, you know, it's that, like never miss a Monday mentality. It's like, dude, if you're tired, just take a break. It's OK. Yeah. You can do something later if you want to. or You don't have to do anything that day. But it was just really trying to be more in tune with where I'm at and where I wanted to be at. And sometimes when we're in the data, which I do love data, it's something I utilize with some yes. of my clients at yeah. all. But it was a time to take a break. And I noticed that when I did that, I felt better. I had a better relationship with food and I started to see my body the way I wanted it to be. I was performing better at the gym. I was better with the people around me. People wanted to be around me versus me isolating myself and just being like, I don't want to be around people. Right. So it was really like less body checking and noticing what food was making me feel. And then with exercise, like what exercise do I enjoy doing? Because I remember there was a point in time I was training for a half marathon. I tried to go uh, vegetarian because I thought that's what I needed. And it's like, dude, you're doing the exact opposite of what you want your body. Not that there's anything wrong with vegetarian and marathon Right, no, running.
0: agree. It's, yeah. it's
1: just like you're doing this for the wrong reasons, right? You're going into it thinking that you're going to change your body composition because you're running a marathon. And by going vegetarian or plant-based is what's going to change. It's like, yeah. dude, take a step back. What are you really trying to do? So I think it's really just that awareness step that so many people... Look for, but they don't know what it is, and then taking action on it and truly making a change,
0: yes, okay. I uh, love that. So for uh, listening, body checking, that's like you know lifting up your shirt and looking in the mirror and flexing and like checking or coming your body out the shower, yeah, yeah, getting out of the shower. It can even be like incessantly weighing yourself multiple times a day. So, yeah, decreasing that type of habit and that's something <laughs> that i'm i'm working currently on decreasing any type of body checking habits as i'm going through pregnancy because it just it's not making me feel my best to be fixated on my physical appearance so just being aware of that and then when you're talking about kind of stepping back from the data if you're tracking and you're noticing that you're feeling Feelings of body dysmorphia or even disordered eating, taking a step back from that, and it doesn't have to be cold turkey, it can just be like, okay, on Sunday and Monday, I'm not going to track. And then try to steadily just keep removing the days that you track. Or if it's incessantly checking ingredient lists, just try to reduce the amount of times that you're looking at the ingredients and, and make a point to you know, go out to eat without vetting the menu beforehand to make sure they have clean options or something like that. So there's, there's different ways that you can reduce those behaviors based on what is coming up for you and what you're struggling with. But yeah, small steps,
1: right? Like that's really it. And I think so many people try to do that going back to all or nothing, stop trying to do it all at once. Like they're like, all right, I'm going to change my mindset by just stop counting calories today. I'm going to just work out once this week and feel great. But then they start having that anxiety because they're not replacing it or changing it, or then you're trying to do it all at once. So take it step by step. That's the biggest thing that you can take away from this is just do one thing at a time.
0: Yes. Yep. I love that. Well, Tony, I so appreciate you sharing your insight and sharing your journey through this, because again, I, I feel like So many people assume that, you know, if you're running a successful fitness, health, nutrition business, whatever it is, that you just magically don't struggle anymore. And uh, I think a lot of the times the people who end up being the most impactful coaches or resources are the people who have struggled and therefore continue to struggle because it is an ongoing work in progress. You're never at the finish line. It's a continuation of that work and you just continue to build on it, you know, throughout your life.
1: It really is. And I I love that. So thanks for summing that up,
0: Hope. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I uh, so appreciate your insight and you being willing to come on and chat. So if you would tell me where people can find you, where they can keep in touch, what services you offer, all that jazz.
1: Absolutely. So you can find me at coach underscore Tony Castillo on Instagram. Uh, You can find me at nutritionfp.com. You can also find me on Hope's story, asking her where she's eating new colado because I asked her about it and they sent me something that was delicious. Uh, So anything Hope does, I'm like, yo, how did you get that? Because that looks amazing. So definitely commenting or talking or liking some of Hope's stuff because she does put out amazing content. So shout out to you for doing that kind of stuff, Hope. And then if they want to work with me, just reach out via nutritionfp.com or on Instagram. We'll definitely book a call. We offer one-on-one coaching services myself or someone on my team. And if they feel like they want to know a little bit more, I have a 17-page how to optimize your nutrition in 2023 guide. Go ahead and send me an email at Ooh. Tony at nutritionfp.com if they feel open and, and I'm sending no questions asked. I may ask them how they are and if yeah. they got it, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not just a blank email, like, uh, no, no subject, nothing. Just here you go. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Tony. Thank you thank so you. much for being here. And yeah, I hope that listeners are able to just take something concrete and apply it and really just start to even, If everything seems overwhelming, just start with that first step of building awareness around what you're doing and how these mindsets might be coming up in your life. And just start noticing, start being more aware. That truly is the best first step that you could take. But wait, (laughs) before you go, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a friend who needs it. And to make sure we stay connected, find me on social media at hopewell underscore health or for more information about my nutrition coaching services check out my website hopewellhealth.online and always remember you are smart capable and talented you have what it takes i'm just here to educate and encourage you along the way catch you next time